Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. We're on Mark 15, 40 to 47, which is the burial of Jesus, and specifically what the burial of Jesus means for us. You're going to be pretty surprised at what it means for us. As we approach the end of October, you're starting to see a lot of spooky decorations out, aren't we? You're starting to see these spooky decorations. It's almost Halloween, right? I have a spooky riddle for you. A spooky riddle for you. If you are here today, or if you're hearing this today, you are alive physically. You're alive physically, but unless you have already died and been buried, you are really dead. Got that? You're hearing this, you're alive physically, but unless you've already died and been buried, you're really dead. In fact, we must all die and be buried to really live, not just to live here on earth, really live here, and to live forever with God someday. We all must die and be buried. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship and the reminder of how much we need you. Now we ask for your mercy and grace that your word would come alive to us through your Holy Spirit's power. You would touch us and transform us, saving us, sanctifying us. Whatever work needs to be done, Lord, we pray you would do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let me read the passage. Mark 15, we're picking up with verse 40. We just did the crucifixion and death of Jesus. Once again, get, get those CDs or go on the podcast, YouTube. Uh, powerful, powerful passages. Some women were watching from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Younger and of Josie and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. It was a preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, so as evening approached, Joseph Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if Jesus had already died. When he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph, so Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of a rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Josie, saw where he was laid. So, here's our passage. We'll start with verses 40 to 41. The ladies, some women who were watching from a distance, among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James the Younger, and of Josie and Salome. In Galilee, these women had followed him and cared for his needs. Many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem were also there. Now, we know Mary, Jesus' mother, was also at the cross, but he had already sent her off. We know that from parallel passages. Where did his mother already go? Who took her? John, right? John the Apostle. He said, this is your mother, this is your son. He adopted out his mom to make sure she was cared for. Now there's only Salome, another Mary, and Mary Magdalene. Some of you may have gone to school and you know, everybody's named Mary, right? Some of you from you know, the parochial backgrounds know what I'm talking about. Everybody had Mary in their name, right? There's a reason for it. It's all over the Bible, okay? So we have all the, the several Marys here. Actually, three of the four were Marys at the cross. Uh, but it was Mary and Mary Magdalene. 
Another spooky story, what is Mary Magdalene known for? Seven demons, you know. If they did a movie back then, it would have been The Exorcist and Mary Magdalene would have been in it, right? It was, it was uh, she had been freed from seven demons cast out of her. Wild story. Uh, Jesus had freed her. Why she's one of the few at the cross, still here, because th- those that Jesus forgives and frees of the worst things often follow him the closest, don't we? We appreciate what he has done. We appreciate his love the most. She even followed him right to the tomb. In fact, in verse 47, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where he was laid. They followed him right to the tomb. I have a question. Where were the disciples? Where were the 12 apostles? Where were these guys? Hiding, right? No, it was the ladies. They were the last at the cross. And the first at the tomb. The ladies were. And that's why they get to witness the resurrection first. The ladies. Jesus Christ elevates and honors women in a way that no one else has ever done. This was radical in the society, how we treated women. Christianity, true Christianity, elevates women in a way that no other faith comes even close to. Remember that with all the lies and slander and stuff with Christianity in our culture today, no, no one has elevated and honored women like Jesus Christ has done. Verses 42 to 43. It was the preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath. So as evening approached, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent member of the council, who was himself waiting for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. So Sabbath is beginning at sundown, so he had to work fast because there's no work on the Sabbath, and you weren't allowed to touch a dead body on the Sabbath. No, 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 not allowed for that. So he had to work quickly. And Joseph of Arimathea, he was a prominent member of the Sanhedrin. Thank Congress, but it was a religious Congress because Rome ran the country, iron fist, but they, they allowed the Sanhedrin, this religious council, had prominent leaders and, and Pharisees and all the different leaders. They were kind of like the sub-rulers of, of, the, of the country. And he was waiting for the kingdom of God. What does that mean? He was looking for the Messiah. The Messiah. There was a huge messianic expectation at this time at the time of christ history tells us that that everybody the reason there was all these crowds and mobs and around jesus everybody was waiting for the messiah because they were under roman rule and they wanted to be freed and they knew what the what the, the scriptures taught how the messiah would free them but they only saw a lot of them missed the you know the, the two comings there was a suffering messiah and the victorious messiah and it puzzled people, but they were waiting, and they, they, a lot of them missed that, that he had to come and suffer first before he would bring them to victory and deliver us ultimately, right? So, but, there, but he was looking for the Messiah. Everybody was looking for the Messiah. Huge expectation. They expected him at any moment. And Joseph believed Jesus was the Messiah. In fact, in John 19, 38, parallel passage brings out even more. Each writer brings out something different. In Mark I'm sorry, John 19, verse 38, it says, Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus. But secretly, because he feared the Jews. 
The Jews, not, he was Jewish, so he's not fearing himself. Whenever you see the word the Jews, he's talking about the Jewish religious leaders. This is not slander to Jewish people at all. John was a Jew. Joseph was a Jew. Jesus was a Jew. I know it might shock some people out there, but Jesus was a Jew. And, and you're not allowed to put down Jews in any way, shape, or form. Genesis 12, 3. All right? But whenever you see that word Jews here, John uses it of the religious Authorities, the Jewish religious authorities, the Sanhedrin. So he was he was secretly because he feared the Jews, the Jewish religious leaders. Okay, he was an undercover Christian, but not anymore. Not anymore. He's out in the open now, right? There's a lot of undercover Christians, aren't there? Nobody here, but you might know of some undercover Christians in the United States today. There are a lot of undercover Christians. How do I know that? Well. They are Christian, but nobody knows it. <laughs> People at school would be shocked to find out, or at college, or at work, or in our neighborhood would be very surprised to know that they're a Christian, you know? And uh, there's a lot of that, right? Uh, we, the reason there's undercover Christians is because we don't live it. We don't live it. We don't speak up for Jesus Christ. We don't speak up for moral, spiritual issues. We're very quiet. We don't want to offend anybody or appear intolerant. You know, that's how they keep our mouths shut, right? And the Bible says speak the truth in love. We should be tolerant, but we should speak the truth in love. And, and so many Christians I know don't want to be seen as radical or don't want to be known as evangelical. Those radical evangelicals. It's interesting, the WikiLeaks, I don't know if you've been following this, very interesting reading. Uh, but the, this, the, the Democratic group that's trying to get their person elected, I'm not going to even say the name. Anyway, they're ripping, they're, the WikiLeaks was ripping on the, the Catholic, they were cat, bashing the Catholics. I don't know if you saw that, you know, the headlines, bashing Catholics. And they're ripping on the conservative Catholics, really hammering away at them. And it, it was like, just brutal, just Really unfair. But, but then the interesting thing was they also said uh, they saved their, their worst comments for those evangelicals. The evangelicals were on the lowest rung. They said a lot of these, these conservative Catholics are really evangelicals, but they don't want anybody to know because then they'd really be low on the rung. You know? and it was like, That's us. That's me. That's us they're talking about, right? Come out of the closet. Come out of the closet. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about spiritually. Spiritually. Joseph comes out of the closet. He comes out of the closet. He's no longer a closet Christian. By boldly asking for the body of Jesus Christ, he risked everything. His reputation and even his life. He risked it all. Risked it all. But he wasn't alone. Mark doesn't bring it up, but John brings out that he wasn't alone. In fact, in John 19, verse 39, let's pick it up here. He was accompanied by Nicodemus. The man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. This would be a small fortune. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it, and with the spices and strips of linen, this was in, in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid, we know this, gar this tomb belonged to Joseph from Matthew. We know it belonged to Joseph. It was his tomb. Uh, it was a fancy thing. Verse 42, uh, back to 42. Because it was a Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. They laid Jesus there. So 
this is Nicodemus. And it's really interesting. Nicodemus, we first heard of him back in John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, now there was, verse 1, now there was a man of the Pharisees. He was a Pharisee, remember? They're not fair, you see. He's one of those guys. Named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miracles, the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. He comes to Jesus at night, the original Nick at night here. He comes to Jesus, and he is having a secret meeting because he doesn't want anybody to know. He wait till everybody go to bed. Then he comes to Jesus. Secret meeting. Didn't want to put his reputation online just yet. And Jesus says to him, in reply, Jesus declared, verse 3, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. You must be born again. You see people all the time being quoted, well, I'm a Christian, but I'm not a born-again Christian. Former presidents have said that. Athletes. People are real clear. I'm a Christian, but I'm not a born-again Christian. If you're not born again, then you're not a Christian. There is no such thing. Jesus said, you must be born again. And when you are born, it was a radical event. You don't remember it, but I'm sure your mother does. It was, it was and, and believe me, it was shocking to you. You cried, you know, you were, it was a drastic, dramatic event in every one of our lives. And the same thing happens spiritually. There has to be a time when we are born again. You might not remember the exact moment there, the day or whatever. I always tell people write it in their Bibles, you know. But, but, but there has to be a time when you went from your first birth to your second birth. There has to be a time when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. There has to be that time. Very, very important. And I know I probably prayed it 500 times. <laughs> when I was a kid, I did it every night, yeah. But, but you may not remember the exact time, but you have to know you did it. And there has to be a change in your life because when you came out of your mother, there was a change in your life. There has to be a change. No change, no Jesus. No Jesus, no change. Simple rule. If you're born again, you are a new person. There's a change. Are we perfect? No. But there's a change. It's a progressive change. And Nicodemus says in verse 9, what? How can this be, Nicodemus asked? John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We have to believe in Jesus Christ. And the word believe in there isn't just intellectual. I know who he is, or I know what he did, or, yeah, okay. No, the word in Greek, the Greek for believe means to cling to, to trust in, to put your complete hope into. 
The picture is a, a little baby. The best visible picture I give you is a little baby. When, it, when you're holding that baby and it gets scared, it grips the parent and hangs on for dear life. That's what we have to do with Jesus. There has to be a time in our life you must be born again by, put, by believing in Jesus Christ, turning to him and, and putting our faith in him. Have you been born again? If you're not sure, then make sure. Don't leave today without being born again. We'll come back to that in just a little bit. Verses 44. Verse 44 to 45, back in Mark 15. Pilate was surprised to hear that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked if Jesus had already died. And when he learned from the centurion that it was so, he gave the body to Joseph. So he's surprised he's already dead because it usually took a couple of days. But Jesus, remember what he did? He gave up his spirit. He surrendered his own spirit. He was in control on the cross. So Pilate checks with the centurion. Remember we talked about centurion last week? He put his faith in Jesus and he knew he was dead, right? And he says, yep, he's dead. Now listen, if a Roman soldier, centurion, says he's dead, he's dead. They were experts at killing. They knew they killed somebody. They were experts. They killed a lot of people, right? There's no doubt about it. And this is a vital fact. Vital fact because he had to really be dead so that he could be resurrected. And we have the Roman law affirming that he really did die. Remember that next week when we hit the resurrection. Then we come to verse 46 where it says, and this is, this is where we're headed, so Joseph bought some linen cloth, took down the body, wrapped it in the linen, and placed it in a tomb cut out of the rock. Then he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. All right? You're putting all these gospel accounts together. We know that it was Joseph's tomb. It was brand new, which fulfilled a prophecy. Isaiah 53.9. Every prophecy was fulfilled. Isaiah 53.9, which, by the way, is a powerful, powerful chapter about Jesus and his crucifixion and his resurrection. In fact, it's so powerful that if I have any... Uh, Jewish friends, I have lots of Jewish friends, I almost always take them to Isaiah 53. In fact, it, this has probably led more people from the Jewish faith to complete their faith and become completed Jews, to become Christians. In fact, there have even been Jewish groups that have cut this out of their Bible, out of the Torah, out of the, out of the Tanakh, out of the Tanakh, cut it out. Just took it out. Because they said, we got sick of explaining this. Because there isn't no explanation except Jesus Christ. And in Isaiah 53, 9, one of the prophecies is, He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. Do you get that? With the wicked. Who was the wicked? Who were the wicked? Two thieves on the cross. He died both sides of him. The rich. Joseph of Arimathea, the rich guy Joseph, uh, fulfilled by this. The tomb was in a garden. Why is that significant? The tomb in the garden. Another reversed the curse. Remember Jesus came to reverse the curse? The first Adam was in the garden, right? Adam and Eve. Adam, the first Adam was in the garden, and he disobeyed God in the garden. And as a result of his disobedience, what came into the human race? Sin and death. 
Jesus, the second Adam, Romans 5, the second Adam, resisted temptation in the garden. Remember, praying in the garden of Gethsemane? And then on top of that, he was buried in a garden and resurrected in a garden. And as a result, he defeated sin and death. The sin and death that Adam brought in the garden, Jesus defeated in the garden by his death and his resurrection. The burial of Jesus Christ is a vital truth. It's critically important because, first of all, it sets up the resurrection, which we're going to look at next week. It's the most important event in human history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is history. But also, another very important reason for each one of us, and I just want to jump over to Romans chapter 6 here. In Romans chapter 6, it's also the burial of Jesus is also important for another reason. He says in Romans 6, 4, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. Unless we, now get this, unless we are buried with Jesus, remember the riddle at the beginning? Unless we're buried with Jesus Christ, we cannot be resurrected with him. Jesus' burial is our burial. We can die to our old sinful self because he died for our sins. He took our sins upon himself and he died for us. And Paul uses a picture of that. He's using a picture of baptism as a picture of that. That's why baptism is so important. When we go under the water, it shows that we have been buried with Jesus. It's a visible picture of a spiritual truth in reality that we have been buried with Jesus. When we come out of the water, it shows that we are resurrected with Jesus Christ as a new creation. It's a picture of what has happened to us. We're a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. We are born again as a new creation, a whole alien being. We're, all, we're, we're new. And that's why baptism is so vital and so powerful. If you have never been baptized, going under the water and being baptized as a believer, you're missing out on a powerful, vital experience in your spiritual walk. Very, very important. Very important. It, the Bible teaches, and some people, well, I've been sprinkled as a baby. Listen, it, the Bible says believe and be baptized. The, the sprinkling as a baby, that's a dedication. That's something else. That's not... It's not even in the Bible. But anyway, we don't go there. But anyway, but, but listen, it says believe and be baptized. Babies can't believe. They're cute, but they can't believe. It's when you're, when you're old enough to understand who Jesus is and what he did for you, and you put your faith in him, you're born again, that's when we're baptized. It's okay if you're sprinkled, but you still, the baptism is very important. And also, it's a picture. It's a picture of being buried with Jesus Christ. What do you do with a body? Do you just sprinkle dirt on it? No, you bury it. You better bury it, right? You don't sprinkle dirt out, you bury it. And that's a a picture. We are buried with Christ so that we can be resurrected with him. Now, once we, the moment, let me put it this way. The moment you repent of your sinful life, now this is important. The moment you repent of your sinful life and ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sin, the moment you do that, your old self dies and is buried. 
As soon as you repent of sin and ask for forgiveness from Jesus, your old self dies and is buried. When we, and then we put our faith in Jesus and give our life to him. We are resurrected with Jesus Christ. We are, I'm going I'm to say this again because it's really important. We repent of our sin and ask for forgiveness. We're buried. We put our faith in Jesus and give our life to him. We are resurrected as a brand new person. That's when we are born again as a new creation, a new life. We're born again with a brand new life. And picture baptism is a picture of that. But when we do that, we're still a baby. When you're born physically, you are a baby. When you're born spiritually, if you just put your faith in Christ, you're a little baby. You may be a Christian for a year, two years, you're still a toddler. That's, that's spiritual growth. We've got to grow, right? We're still a baby. We need to grow. And Romans 6, following up a couple verses, tells us how to mature in Christ and reach our potential. And this is important. Some of you sitting there, I know all those are. But now listen, this is important. Are you going to grow? Our country is loaded with baby Christians. Baby Christians. It's shocking. The carnal, worldly condition of the church the lukewarm church it's shocking this election is bringing that out i'm hearing people say things that shock me scare me the christians with no discernment connect the dots but anyway the the it's 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 we have to grow we have to mature in christ we have to reach our spiritual potential and the the in Romans 6, the very next uh, two verses later, Romans 6, 6, it says this. This is the first thing. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We have to, the first part in growing spiritually is we have to know that our old self died, that we're a new person in Jesus Christ. We have to know this. We have to remember this truth that Jesus Christ has set us free. He's given us a brand new life. And this is vital, and this is why it's vital. This is vital as you face temptations, as you are bombarded with the world's lies, as you are attacked by Satan, as we go through this, it's important that we know this. As we're facing the old temptations again, it's important that we know that we are set free through Jesus Christ. And not only to know it, but we have to believe it. Romans 6.11 In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Jesus Christ. The word count, some of you have a King James Bible out there, it says reckon, reckon. It means to believe it. It means to by faith accepted as a fact. That's what it's talking about here. And it's, it's one thing to know it, but we have to believe it. It's one thing to know th- something, but it's another thing to really believe it. I don't, I don't have to live by my old feelings anymore. I don't have to fall into that same rut. I, yeah, I'm tempted again. I've been tempted since I, you know, I just opened the door to that years ago, but I don't have to fall into it anymore. Uh, I can live by faith. I've got the power. I have the power because I live by faith. And once we know the truth of who we are, knowing it, and, we, and the power that we have, once we know that and we really believe it, then we can act on it. Then we must act on it. Romans 6.13 says, 
Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. Now we have to act on what we know and what we believe. Now we, 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 we act on it. This is faith in action. Think of when you're teaching your kids to walk, you know, and, and you're, you're, they're learning how to walk, and, and you're, there's, there's this kid, he's one years old, and he's going to learn how to walk, and the parents say, you can do it, you can do it. And the kid knows he can do it, he can look around and see everybody else walking, you know, he knows, knows it's possible, uh, and, and everybody else is doing it, right? And you can imagine what it's like at our house teaching kids to walk, you know, oh, it's a zoo, it's a zoo, it's crazy. Uh, it's, everybody's trying to coach, right? But... But what's the key to that little kid walking? The first step. They, they're told they can do it. They, they, uh, they even believe they can do it. But it's, it's when they take that first step and say, wow, I really can do it. And then they take another step. And then they fall down and you help them back up and they take another step. And, and that's the Christian walk. We... It, we, we know Jesus died for us. We believe he's given us the power, but we have to act on it. We have to take the step. And we have to learn to walk with God in victory, holding his hand. And we're going to fall. I need you every hour. Remember the song? We're going to fall. We reach out, take his hand, and we get back up again, and we take another step. And, and little by little, we, we learn to walk in our spiritual walk. And then we learn to run. And living, living out, Christianity is living out the result of being buried with Jesus. That's what it's all about, the result of that. Are you living it? Are we living it? Are we living it? Have you been baptized? See me? Going to have to wait for next summer now. Too cold. But anyway, uh, see me? I'm getting a list going already. It's a progressive walk, though, isn't it? It's a progressive walk. It's baby steps. You become a Christian. It's baby steps. And then the next thing you know, you're able to run. Things that used to trip us up no longer trip us up. At least not as much, <laughs> right? We start to see victory. And we start to see we can live, live out Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. We see a change in our life. Do you know and believe and act on it? Are we doing it? What step are you stuck on? Think of our own life. What step are we stuck on? Think of a specific area of our life that we're stuck in one of these ways. We might be doing better in all these areas, but there's one area, oh, I keep, can't walk it. I'm stuck. What area of our life do we, are we not knowing or believing or acting on it? Sometimes you have to get help. We've had kids who've had some issues and we had to get early intervention so they could walk. I'm not going to name them. But, uh, you know, they, they had to get early intervention and they couldn't walk till we got this early intervention. Spiritually, it's the same way. Some of us have damage. We have things that have happened to us or that we have done, doors we open, whatever the reason. doesn't matter. The point is we've, we, we can't walk in an area of our life. We need someone, a, a Christian brother, a Christian sister. Talk to Kim and I, you know, Christian counseling will get you connected because there's early intervention. There's late intervention. There's all kinds of intervention. We, we can help each other in this spiritual walk, but we need that. But we can all know, believe, and act. We can all be in God's NBA. 
That's the name, this is the, 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 word, the thing I came up with, MBA. No matter what size you are, you can't be in the real MBA, uh, but no matter what size you are, you can be in God's MBA. Uh, NBA, no believe act. I know it starts with a K. I know that, all right? But this, is, this, this, this fits better, right? All right? The silent K. So we're going to call it the NBA. Know it, believe it, act on it. And remember this. Every time you leave from here, whatever you're facing, know it, believe it, act on it. NBA. And maybe you're here today and you need to take the first step. You can't play in the NBA yet. God's NBA. Because you have to take the first step, the step of faith. You must be born again. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, Maybe you're here today and you've never been born again. You've never put your faith in Jesus. But you don't have to wait even one more minute. We can hear the words of Jesus echoing in our heart and in our mind. You must be born again. Two thousand years later, we must be born again. Do you know for sure you have been spiritually born again? You can know today. You can write this date in your Bible. Take the Bible home and write this date, October 16th, 2016. Right where you are right now, you can pray to God. Right from your heart. You can say, Jesus, please forgive me. I'm repenting of my old life, my old sin, anything in my life that goes against what you want for me. That goes against your word. I repent and ask you to forgive me. I believe Jesus was crucified and died and was buried for me. For my sin. I believe that. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm clinging to him, putting my hope in him, my trust in him. I give my life to you, God. Make me a new person, a new creation. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, something radical has happened to you. Your life will never be the same. 
the Holy Spirit has come into you and made you a brand new person, a brand new creation. You have been born again. But you're still a baby. (laughs) You're a little baby and you're going to need encouragement. You're going to need feeding. You're going to need your diapers changed. (laughs) You're going to make some messes. We all do it. You're going to need someone to come alongside of you and encourage you. And I want to strongly encourage you to let somebody know about your new faith in Jesus. Maybe you came with a family member or a friend. Tell me on the way out. Fill out the card, stick it in the box. Text, call, email. Let me know. Let somebody know so that we can be excited. Just like a baby being born is nothing more exciting. But also to, to help you and encourage you in your new life in Christ. Helping you become a disciple of Jesus Christ. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? What area of our life are we getting tripped up in? What's keeping us from running the race with perseverance? Finishing the race well? Reaching our potential in Jesus Christ. Being salt and light to the world all around us. Let your light shine before men. So that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. What is, what is keeping us from that? What area of our life do we need to know, believe, and act on? Will we take this to prayer today and every day? Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. Will you take that to prayer? Maybe there's something in our life as we're praying that, that's so difficult to overcome. You need the early intervention. You need the late intervention. You need some kind of encouragement and help and accountability. Would you pray about someone you could share that with? A Christian brother or sister? If you need to talk to me, I'll, I'll talk to you and I'll connect you with someone that can help you. I know I can't help everybody with everything, but I can find someone who has been through what you are going through. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus dying for us, being buried for us. And we can't wait to see about the resurrection next week and what that means to us. Lord, I pray that each one of us would reach our spiritual potential in Jesus Christ. We would become all that you have called us to be, all that you have created us to be, all that you have recreated us to be. We pray this in Jesus' name.